I'm going to be reading from a translation that we do not have available on the screen, and it's called God's Word Translation. And I want you to notice specifically, as I read these uh, verses from verse 4 through 9, how many times the word live is used. How many times the word live is used. The title of this morning's message is, Where Do You Live? Where Do You Live? Father, tonight or today we just ask for utterance to be given by the Holy Spirit. Lord, just write what is just right for this time and for this, this wonderful, powerful time that we have together. We ask you to speak to our hearts. I pray the eyes of our hearts be flooded with light. And we thank you, Father, for changes being made today in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 4, live in me and I will live in you. A branch cannot produce any fruit by itself. It has to stay attached to the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce fruit unless you live in me. You know, we ask the question frequently, where do you live? Where do you live? Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who live in me while I live in them will produce a lot of fruit. But you can't produce anything without me. Does it matter where you live? And does it matter what lives in you? Well, in verse 6 it says, Whoever doesn't live in me is thrown away like a branch and dries up. Branches like this are gathered, thrown into a fire and burned. If you live in me... And what I say lives in you, then ask for anything you want and it will be yours. So we we keep hearing this phrase, living in him, his word living in us. Verse 9 says, I have loved you the same way the father has loved me. So live in my love. Are we as Christians supposed to be living in the love of God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you obey my commandments, you will live in my love. I've obeyed my father's commandments and in that way I will live in his love. I have told you this so that you will be as joyful as I am and that your joy might be complete. Think about it. He just told us. That it is the will of God for us to live in Him and for Him to live in us and for us to walk in this divine love that is only to be found in Him. And He says, as you obey the commandment of love, your joy will be complete. This is not a grievous command by the Lord when He tells us to live in His love. This is something that we are called to And this is something that we can do simply because the love of God, you see, is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. He never intended for us when he told us to walk in love and to live in his love, to strain at it and to get all burdened out and all bummed out about walking in love. Walking in love is a joy. Love is the atmosphere of heaven. Love is the atmosphere of our union. And our communion with Him. For He is love. And so the word of the Lord says, Live in me and I will live in you. Live in my word and live in what my word says. And as you do, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Now, there's something about a Christian who's living in vital union with him that's different about a Christian that's simply born again and not walking in the Spirit. You can be born again and not live in him. You can be born from above and live like beneath. Amen. You can be born of love and walk in strife. And so there's a drastic difference between being in vital union and communion with him and living a just a nominal Christian life. Listen, God's got something better for us. God's got a better life, a higher life for us. 
It is living the high life in union and in communion with him. Oh, glory to God. I mean, just, just that in itself just thrills my spirit. It just lets me know that it's possible for me and you to have a living, vital relationship and fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, generally, of course, you know, uh, I went golfing the other day. And usually when I golf, it's not planned. I just go when I feel like it, which is maybe a few times a year. And so I went to this one golf course and joined up with a threesome of people I didn't know. So over the process of time, as you golf, you kind of get to know one another a little bit. And you ask them, well, where do you live? And what do you do? And so generally, when you ask a person where they live, immediately they think naturally, don't they? Well, I live over in Alameda County. I live in the state of California. I live in the city of Oakland, or I live over in San Francisco, or I live in in, uh, Fremont, or whatever the case may be. But specifically, in Christ, you and I, that's not what God's talking about. That's not really where we live. You and I live in here. Amen? You and I have a place in God where we live. It is the secret place of the Most High. Amen? Where I live and where you live really is not outwardly, but it's inwardly. Amen. Now, you can live in the poorest place on the planet, naturally speaking. You could be over in Siberia today. Aren't you glad you're not? But you could be over in Siberia, you know, just hardly, you know... Getting by, not having any money, cold, and yet on the inside, you'd be full of joy. Yet on the inside, you're happy. Why? Because you have a living, vital union with Him. And as a result of that living, uh, uh, vital union with Him, you're in the place where God wants you to be. Now, on the other hand, you could live on the most beautiful, beautiful island in the world. The Hawaiian Islands are beautiful if you've been there. Uh, You could have a huge mansion right on the ocean. You could have a yacht out there with anything and everything you wanted to eat whenever you wanted it. You could go to the airport and have your own hangar with a Learjet there taking you wherever you want to go and yet be suicidal on the inside. Amen. I'd rather be happy on the inside, living in him and him living in me, than being suicidal on the inside, living in a mansion. Are you listening to me? Now, I'm not making a case for being poor because I don't believe in being poor because through his poverty, we were made rich. But oh, glory to God, it's the riches of his presence and it's the riches of his goodness and it's the riches of this vital union with him. That is what life is really about. I got a question for you today. Where have you been living? Where are you living? Verse four again, he says, live in me and I'll live in you. A branch cannot bear fruit. By itself, it has to stay attached to the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce fruit unless you live in me. The joy of the Lord is a strong indicator of where you're living. The sorrow and the depression and the anxiety that is in your life is a strong indicator of what you're in union with and what you're in communion with. Look at your neighbor and say, where you been living? <laughs> living in him is not automatic. Living in him is a choice. We have a choice every day who we will serve. We have a choice every day whose thoughts we're going to think. We have a choice every day of whose words we're going to speak. You see, you live in your soul. You live in your spirit. 
He lives in you. You live in Him. And you can tell by the countenance on people's face where they've been living. It's not where you live outwardly. (laughs) I'm going to say it again. It's where you live inwardly. And he told told us where to live. He says, live in me. And I will live in you. Now, some people, even though they're born again, are not living in him. They're living in fantasy land. Seriously. They're living in fantasy land. Some sort of a far out fantasy. He's like a good friend of mine, a pastor friend. He had a couple come in for counseling to work on their relationship. And uh, he noticed that the guy kind of had his head down when he walked in. He was wondering, what's up with that? Well, it didn't take long for him to figure it out. As soon as she opened her mouth, she started talking about, well, he's not treating me right. And the pastor asked, well, uh, what do you mean he's not treating you right? Well, he's not treating me like so-and-so. Talking about a soap opera. Can you imagine that? Talking about a soap opera. He's not treating me like, you know, he's treating her on that movie. (laughs) Fantasy world. Doesn't she recognize and realize when they say, what do they say? It's a, it's a rap that he goes to his trailer and she goes to her trailer And they go home and probably don't talk to one another until the next act. Probably don't even like each other. Living in fantasy world. Lots of people are living in that that media world. You know, they have people stalking movie stars. Why? Because they're fantasizing on what it would be like to live with her. What it would be like to live with him. Listen, you may find out what it's like to live with her or him. You may not like it at all. Living in the TV guide. I mean, really, how far do you want me to take this today? <laughs> Living in the internet. You don't know. The other per person on the end of that, other end of that internet who's calling his name Judy might be a 300-pound man. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Living in fantasy world. Preachers have have started churches all across this land out of the will of God because they're living in fantasy land. What would it like to be Benny Hinn? You know, what would it be like, you know, to be like Catherine Kuhlman was? What would it be like? You know, why don't you just be who you is? Stop trying to be who they is and be who you is. Is that all right today? Living in fantasy world. Oh, boy. You know, wow. Big church and suits, ties, and whoa, man. It's kind of like, hello. Live in the same world you do. Got to believe the same God you do. Or get to believe the same God you do. Living in, people started churches all across America. No more called to be pastors than I am an astronaut. And lead people astray. By the millions. All because they had a fantasy and they had a romantic idea of what it would like to be in the ministry. 
It's kind of like the congregation, you know. I better tell a joke. I can tell some of you are losing it. It's kind of like the joke, you know, uh, that uh, I heard about all oh, these people were so in love with their pastor the first year. And they've had romantic ideas about their pastor. Oh, you know, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. But the second year they woke up a little bit and started asking, by what authority doest thou these things? And the third year it was just flat, crucify him. Living in fantasy. So if you're living in fantasy, I got good news for you. You can move. And I'm excited in my spirit today because I believe in my heart and say in my mouth right now, there are people before the end of this service, they're going to move. They've been living in the wrong place. They've been thinking the wrong thoughts, but they're going to move from Downsville to Upsville. They're going to move from Depressville to Joy Unspeakableville. They're going to remove, oh, glory to God. It's time to move. I ask you today, where have you been living? Jesus tells us where to live. And then other people live in the past. Thinking about what might have been and what could have been. And if I hadn't done this or I hadn't done that. Listen, friend, you need to let go of the past. The past is gone and the past should be forgotten. You cannot press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus looking in the rear window view. See, God's got a bright future for you, but you've got to let the past go. Don't look back. Today's a new day. God's got a bright future for you. This is the day, this is the hour that the Lord has made. Don't live in the past. If I lived in the past, I'd live a guilt-ridden, fear-ridden life full of demonic forces. All because of what I did and what I was in the past. You know what? You are not who you was. You are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the scripture says that old things are passed away and all things have become new. Amen? Amen. Let the past go. Let it go. Move from the past and move into the present and keep your eyes on him because the future is bright. Then there's other people. They're living in the land of unfulfilled desires. They're living in the land of Of really lust. You know, when you talk about lust, it isn't just in the sexual area. But lust is in the area of any strong desire that's inconsistent with the Word of God. Or that is inconsistent with the plan of God. Are you listening to me? And there are people that are lusting after things that are no more the will of God and the plan of God for them. It's just not God's will. And so if you want to have peace and if you want to have joy and live in vital union with him, learn the secret of contentment. Paul said this. He says, in whatever state I am, I have learned the secret of contentment. In other words, Things may be good, things may be bad, but I am not controlled by how things are. I'm living in vital union and communion with Him, and in Him, everything's okay. So Jesus then, He he tells you and I where to live. Where to live. Notice with me over in uh, John chapter 15, verse 4 in the Amplified Version. First of all, He tells us, Uh, To live in His Word. Stay connected to Him uh, through the Word of God. Stay connected to Him through the Word. In John 15, verse 4, in the Amplified Version, I want you to read this with me, guys. Let's go ahead and read. Ready, read.
Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. And so... One of the ways, which is our part, one of the ways that we can stay vitally connected to Him is through the Word. Now, I have an office at home, and I have the, the New Testament, you know, audio. And so oftentimes what I'll do is I will turn on that, and I will let it play all day long. And so I'm building, and I'm developing an atmosphere for His Word. You see, He told me to live in Him And to let his word live in me. Now I don't sit there in front of my computer and listen to the word 24 hours a day. But I like the word playing. I may go have a sandwich or I may go get ready to do something. And I'll walk in in my office and I'll hear scriptures. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Whatever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. I can hear Alexander Scorby talk to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Hallelujah. Blessed be the God of our Savior, our Lord Jesus. You know, and just let it dwell in me. Let it live in me. That's one way that I can stay vitally united to Him. And that's one way that you can as well. Amen. And this is not just a, a Sunday to Sunday deal. This is a maintenance of your union and your communion with Him. People spend a lot of time maintaining other things. I believe we ought to maintain our homes. I believe we ought to maintain our bodies. I believe that we should take care of ourselves. After all, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Probably not the best illustration after Thanksgiving, but the New Year's is coming. We've we've been given... The ability to maintain what God has provided for us. But the most important thing that you can maintain and train and cultivate and develop is your union with Him. It is vital to living a victorious life. It is in Him that I live. It is in Him that I move. And it is in Him that I have my being. There is no way that I can stand before you today and speak to a wonderful congregation like you without Him. I can't even find the door without Him. I can't do anything without Him. We can't do anything without Him. But I got good news for you. We're not without Him. And because we're not without Him, and because we're living in vital union and communion with Him, we can do all things. Now notice, through Him. You see, the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians six seventeen, He that is joined unto the Lord. You've been joined with Him in the new birth. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. In other words, we are so close to Him and He is so close to us, it's like we're glued together. It's like in the realm of the Spirit, we're laminated. We become one substance. Oh my goodness. You know, Brenda and I have been married 35 years. We'll be married 36 years in July. But you know, one thing we have purpose in our heart to do in our marriage relationship is to maintain the union. To work on that vital relationship that we have together. You see, we can live in the same home, but really not have a home. You can live in a house and not have a home. What makes a home a home and a house a house? What makes a house is a house is no relationship. No communication. You can be born again and as it were spiritually have him living in your house but not have any fellowship with him. That's right. Amen. What makes a home a home in the Thomas home is we talk to one another. Amen. We enjoy one another's presence. We get up in the morning and drink coffee together. But we just don't drink coffee together. We talk together. 
We love one another. But you see, just as a marriage requires work, it's almost like I heard Maynard G. Krebs saying, work! Somebody didn't get that. That's all right. Forget it. But listen, it takes work to maintain a marriage relationship. It does it not. And what else does it take? It takes a commitment. Now, you know that's true with your friendships. Friendships can't be a one-way street. Friendships are a two-way street. Relationships cannot just be one way. Relationships have got to be two-way. And just as it takes work to maintain a vital relationship with a wife, with a husband, or with a friend, it takes work. It takes effort. It takes time to maintain this vital union with Him. And listen, friends, it's not something that you have to do religiously. It's not something that you have to do out of, oh, a taskmaster syndrome. It's something that you do out of a living, real, vital fellowship and relationship with Him. I know I'm preaching good. Some of you just don't know it yet. So, you're going to get it before it's over with. Maintain. Maintain a union. Maintain a communion with Him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You think about it. You've been raised up together and made to sit together with Him. When you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, in that secret place, glory to God, you've got some friends in high places. I said, I've got friends in high places. I used to have friends in low places. Some of you still do. Now, you'll never get them out of the low places if you're fellowshipping with them in their low places. But you can impact them from your place in God if you will be a light to them and salt to them and not fellowship with them in what they're doing. Amen? I got friends in high places. Glory to God. Look at Proverbs chapter 6. Look at, with me at verse 20 through 22. How do I know? How do we know that we have a living communion with him? Proverbs 6, 20 through 22 says, My son, keep my father's commandments and forsake not the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When you go, it'll lead you. And when you sleep, it will keep you. When you awake, it'll talk with you. That's awesome. In other words, you get so full of the Word of God that it speaks to you while you're sleeping. You get so full of the Word of God, the first thing when you wake up, Scriptures come to you. Or the Spirit of God speaks to you. Now, how many of you have a a bank account? Two of you. Okay, great. All right. Well, let's talk about that for a while. No, seriously, everybody here has a bank account, right? All right. We ought to have a savings account as well. Amen. You know what a savings account is for? Do you? A savings account is to save money. Now, the money that you deposited last year is most likely gone, right? Use it to pay bills. Maybe the money you deposited last week is gone. Bought groceries, brought your tie, all those things. And so, in other words, to to keep getting withdrawals and making withdrawals, you have to keep making deposits, right? Now, I'll say something and you say the rest. No deposit? It's true. Well, somebody says, I put money in last month. Yes, but you spent it. Well... The same way that you have a bank account, you have a heart account. You have a heart account. And God is saying to us today that I would have you to make large deposits into your heart account. So he says, well, I, I, I read healing verses last year. Well, faith doesn't come by having heard. But it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
Well, I, I read some, I read, I read a chapter about three years ago. What is happening then is there are more withdrawals out of your spirit than you have on account in your heart. You see, life is going to come and trouble is going to come. It's going to come to rob, to steal, and to destroy. And when those things come against your life, you're going to want to make sure you've got plenty on the inside. That's why he says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. It is the abiding word in your heart and coming out of your mouth that will still the storms that are coming against your life. See, if you will feed your heart faith when seemingly in the natural everything is going good and everything is fine on the outside, your heart will feed your mouth faith when you need it. But you've got to have it on the inside of you. It's great that Pastor Tom has the word inside of him. But the word of God is designed to live in all of us. Not just a chosen few. And so as pastor, I want to exhort you to let this word abide in you. Believe this word. Say this word. Meditate on this word. Get your heart account overflowing with the word of God so that when the squeeze comes, and surely it will, when they squeeze you, nothing but the word comes out. Nothing but the word comes out. Nothing but the words coming out of my lips. Nothing but the word of God. Yeah, but pastor, don't you know this? And don't you know that? Yeah, I know this and I know that, but I'm referring to higher knowledge. I know also that my God says this in his word. Amen. See, God wants you to experience him. He really does. See, he, he says that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Now, when we live in him and he lives in us and we maintain that vital union, we ought to be experiencing him. We ought to be experiencing not only the word in written form, but the living word in manifest form where we sense his presence. Oh, Jesus. Amen. Where we sense him. You know, I walk by faith and not by sight. And, uh, you know, I know you're not to walk by feelings and all that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, I sure enjoy me some feelings from the presence of the Lord. I sure enjoy me some goodness of God manifesting in my life. I sure enjoy me him coming on the scene and enveloping me and saturating me with his spirit and filling me with all the fullness of God. I love the presence of God. I love, I love, I love his presence. And he is present in his word and his word is present in him because he is the word and the word is him. Hallelujah. And so God doesn't want you to be cold. He doesn't want your relationship with him to be dead. You know, it's, it's so easy for a marriage to grow cold and to grow dead. It's so easy as Christians to kind of go through the motions. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's Sunday. Let's go to church and just kind of go through the motions. My, wasn't that a good word? Fine. Yeah. Pass the biscuits, please. Next. Now, I'm not indicting anybody. But I know one thing for me. I know one thing for Mark Thomas. As far as I'm concerned, I need to maintain the union. i got to keep myself stirred up. I have to purpose in my heart to have his presence in my life. I can't live without him. You can't live without him. And he is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. In his presence... There's a fullness of joy. When God arises in the midst of your enemies, your enemies will be scattered. 
When the glory comes in you and the glory comes upon you, it doesn't make a difference what's going on around you because you've got a peace that passes all understanding. And you're walking in the goodness of God. You're walking in the joy of the Lord. Don't misunderstand me. When I talk about the abiding word, I'm not talking about dead, cold religion. I'm talking this word is alive. This word is powerful. This word will heal you. This word will transform you. This word will change you. This word will move you from Dullsville to Brightsville. Glory to God. This word will put purpose in your life. Amen. And so, the more you talk about him... Guess what? The more he'll show up. The more you talk about him, the more he'll show up in your life. You can get around with people, you know, and you, you can talk about sports, the Warriors, the Niners, the Raiders. And then all of a sudden switch gears and start talking the word. And, and all of a sudden that rich koinonia, that fellowship starts manifesting. And what's on the inside of you starts coming on the table. And what's inside of me comes on the table. And together we partake of one another's goodness and revelation and knowledge. And all of a sudden, he's here. He's here right now. I said, he's here right now. He is here right now. The more we talk about him, the greater his presence gets. You've all traveled to cities and gotten off the jet or maybe driven into a city. And even though God is everywhere present and he's omnipresent and he's everywhere. How many of you know that some cities you just don't sense of at all? Even though he's there, he's not in manifestation there. Why? Because most people in that city aren't in union with him. They're not in communion with him. They're in fellowship with devils. They're in fellowship with fear. And so as you walk in the presence of God and walk in union with Him, you'll be able to sense things. And then I've been in cities like Tulsa, Oklahoma. They call Tulsa, Tulsa, Jerusalem. (laughs) To where you get off the jet and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Why is that? Because he is in larger manifestation there because more people are talking about him more. There are more people that are in union with him there than are in other places. Listen, there's truth here. I want you to get this before you leave today. There's truth here. How many of you remember after the resurrection, Jesus Christ appearing to the disciples on the road of Emmaus? Now, get the picture here. They're walking down the road of Emmaus. The Lord isn't there yet, but they're talking about Him. They're talking about Him. And then all of a sudden, Him shows up. And at first they didn't recognize Him. But the more He talked with them, the Bible says, did not our hearts burn within us as He talked with us along the way. I submit to you that burning that they experienced was the fire and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It was His presence. And the more you talk about Him in your daily life, in your daily walk, the greater presence of Him you'll have. The greater manifestation of God you will enjoy in your life. I remember going down to Omaha, Nebraska to Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving time. And we had cousins there in Omaha. And my brother's, my, sis, my mother's uh, brother lived there. And we would go there. And it was a stormy night in Omaha. And the lightning was flashing and the thunder was rolling. And my two cousins, the girls, started telling me scary stories. And my brother Tim and I looked at each other. They were talking about some crazy serial killer that they had not put in jail yet. And they wanted to scare us. And they did a good job. 
because they said, he's still on the prowl. And so these brown eyes got about this big. And on the way to bed, I was whistling in the dark. Hey, Tim, turn the nightlight on. Why? Because what they talked about brought a presence with it. That presence was not God. It was not good. It was evil and it was satanic. Words express either faith or fear. Words express either love or strife. Words express either healing or sickness. The words that we speak and what we fellowship with and live in vital union and communion with will manifest in our lives. And so that is why it is so important to speak His Word. To speak what He says. If you want God to be on the scene in your daily life, if you want Him on the scene wherever you are, talk about Him. Listen to Him. Speak His Word. Live in the goodness of God. Live in the presence of the Lord. Live in me. And I will live in you. Now as you live in Him, and as you walk in Him, glory to God, your life will be changed. Now, in closing this this today, now I, I might have a long closing. Not really. I, I feel like we're just about there, but we're not quite there yet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's look at verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is what? The inward man is being renewed day by day. There's two different things happening. The old man, the outer man is getting older. Amen? Maybe getting a little wrinkled. But the inward man is not getting older. The inward man's getting stronger. Amen? Glory to God. You don't have to buy in to the lie just because you're getting a little older that you're going to lose your memory. I've got a scripture for your memory. The memory of the just shall be blessed. You don't have to buy into the lie that just because you're getting a little older, you can't bear any fruit. The Bible says you can bear fruit, bear fruit in old age. I believe this. The older we get, the better we should be getting. Amen? Now, you know, we might be getting a little grayer. Amen? I've decided to grow old gracefully. I'm not going to paint this anymore. Because I decided I get tired of looking like Juan Valdez. You know who Juan Valdez is? Yeah, everybody knows. Quit giving me lip on the front row here. In other words, I don't want to have a black mustache when my hair is getting grayer. Now, you do what you want to do with it. But yeah, the, old, the, the outward man's getting older. But on the inside, I'm getting bolder. You know what else? On the inside, we ought to be getting better. On the inside, we ought to be maturing more. Amen? And have answers for the younger generation. And be a blessing to the younger generation. The outward man is decaying, yet the inward man is renewed by day by day. Verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a, a far more exceeding eternal way to glory. Verse 18. Look at this. Read it with me. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now keep that verse up there a minute. Basically what this is saying, don't live your life with your affections on this seen realm. 
What this is saying, live in union with me and keep an eternal perspective about your life. Now, when you keep an eternal perspective on your life, you will be in position then to live the God kind and God quality of life. In order for me and in order for you to keep an eternal perspective, it's like what Paul said to the church at Colossae. He said, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Is it important what we think on? Is it important what kind of things we allow into our mind? Absolutely it is. Turn me quickly over to Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. In Romans 8, 5 and 6, it says this. It says, For they that are after the flesh, they do mind the things of the flesh. So those who are not living in union with Him, they're fleshy. But they that are after the things of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now verse 6 is what I want you to see. Let's read this together. Ready, read. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is what? To be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Does it matter what our mind is on? How much does it matter? The difference between life and death. The difference between peace and anxiety. Our thoughts are a lot more important than what we really than we really realize. Say it with me. My thoughts are vitally important. Now the thoughts that I think on and that you think on that you ponder and that you meditate, they have a huge impact on our lives and endeavor to make a huge difference. Now the Father, your Heavenly Father, He's endeavoring to get His thoughts over to you. Amen? Some of you, as you have heard the word today, thoughts are coming to you. God thoughts. Thoughts like, you know, I've been living in the wrong place. It's time to move. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. It's time to pack my bags. Yeah. And it's time to get out of this place and go to another place. Yeah. But thoughts are like seeds. All thoughts, mm-hmm. all thoughts have their origin in the spirit realm. Yeah. Thoughts are like seeds. They're seeds. And seeds... They produce after their kind, do they not? Say it with me, seeds Seeds produce produce after their kind. kind. And so God is endeavoring to get his thoughts over to you. Amen. 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 We're sitting in 35,000 square feet right now today that was at one time a seed. It was a thought. What if... We could turn a six-screen movie theater into a worship center. What if, just what if, the Lord's name would never be damned again through R-rated movies? What if there would be no more nudity on screens and scriptures on the screen? Just what if people would come and lift up their hands and lift up the mighty name of Jesus? in a place like this. It was a God thought. It started as a thought in the hearts and minds of a few people. And today we sit in a place that belongs to Him. Listen, when you walk on these grounds, it is five acres of holy ground. It's five acres of holy ground. This is a holy place provided by a holy God. At one time, God was endeavoring to get his thoughts over to a few people. What if? What if? When Brenda first saw me, she thought, what if? (laughs) Way back in England years ago, what if we could have freedom of religion? What if? What if? Christopher Columbus sailed the sea and came. And now we have the United States of America. There are people in our church that their babies are now graduating college 
with Ph.D. and going on to master's with high honors in high places of education where their parents barely had a high school education. But they looked at each other years ago and they thought, what if our babies could go to school? What if our babies could get a college degree? What if we were going to break the mold and get our babies a degree? You see, it started as a thought. One seed from heaven can move you out of darkness into light. Can move you out of sickness into health. Can move you out of poverty into divine wealth. Seeds. And that's why he said to us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now listen, just as our heavenly father is endeavoring to get his thoughts over to you, so is the enemy. And anything and everything that comes to belittle, that comes to discourage, that comes to tell you, no way, you can't, you're not good enough, you'll never make it, that's from the pit of hell. And that's why God says, you take the weapons of, my, of your warfare and you cast down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and you take higher thoughts, my thoughts, my word that you're well acquainted with because you're living in me and I'm living in you and you cast those thoughts down. And you bring those thoughts and you hold them captive to the obedience of Christ in your life. The question I had for you as we open today's message is where are you living? Where are you living? And only you can answer that. Are you living in in a world of wonderment? Are you living in a world of fear? I submit to you, it's time to move. And it's time not to look back. I can remember way back in 1975, when I first got out of treatment from drugs, I lived in a garage. I lived in a garage. And when winter hit, it was cold. We had a small heater in there. And I remember one day, my friends and I had a thought, let's move. I said, yeah, I believe that's God. But we weren't ready to move. But we got ready to move. And there came a day we moved out of the garage into a duplex. And we said bye-bye forever to the garage. And we came up and lived in the duplex. Some of you are living in a garage spiritually. You need to have the desire to move out. God's got a better place in Him for you. And if you'll just take that step this morning... And to make the decision that I'm going to live in him and he's going to live in me every day of my life. He'll move you out of the garage and put you into the penthouse. Amen. 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 Let's all stand to our feet. Thank God for his word today. Amen.